0: Good morning, everyone. Um, we have this wonderful privilege this morning to be able to start off our new series uh, that we have been going through over the last couple of, uh, well, that we starting our new series that, be go- that we will be going through over the next couple of weeks. Um, we are going to be starting Uh, the unpacking of this idea that we've been speaking of for quite some time of this love up, love in, and love out. Uh, As an eldership, we decided to look at uh, this idea of love up, love in, and love out and go, have we really achieved it? Have we done well at it? Um, Have we uh, gotten to a place where we can move on and start doing something else? And uh, the honest uh, feeling that we got was that we hadn't done really well we had gotten the gist of the idea, but really the applying and the unpacking of it is something in which we still need to improve on and do. And so the idea was, let's focus on one particular aspect in each one of these loves. So when we talk about love up, we're talking about loving God first and foremost, pursuing Him, going after Him, loving in. We're talking about loving each other as a church and well loving out. We're talking about loving those who do not know Christ who are outside of this uh, body, uh, which is really the great commandment in a fun little way to to speak and so we're wanting to um, unpack that more this year and in order to do that we're going to start off for with loving up and a little series called uh, pursuing life in the holy spirit pursuing life in the holy spirit now what does that even mean well the word pursue here means seeking after intentionally going after, Uh, there's there's a difference between having good intentions and being intentional, right? Um, uh, Many of us had good intentions at the start of this year to start dieting, but very few of us were intentional in getting that gym membership, uh, getting rid of all the junk food out of the house and starting to diet. There's a difference between having good intentions and being intentional. And the Christian faith requires us to be intentional often, and no different when pursuing life in the Holy Spirit. So we're going to intentionally seek it. That's why we're teaching on it. That's why we're going to be talking about it in our Bible studies, is because we need to be intentional. But the word life here can mean one of two things, and both are correct. The word life can mean vitality, health, power, those kinds of things. But it can also mean pursuing a life in the Holy Spirit as a holistic thing, every aspect of who we are. So I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, I'm a friend, I'm a colleague. I am a guy that likes to go to gym and do exercise and have training partners. So therefore, when I want to pursue life in the Holy Spirit, I want to make sure that I pursue it in all those areas, not just one or two, but in every aspect of who I am. I want to know the Holy Spirit and know Him in that. But I guess the biggest question that we need to ask and the one that needs to be discussed the best and, uh, the, and most in detail is, who is the Holy Spirit and what does He do? And that's important for us because the way we understand the Holy Spirit is the way we're going to relate to Him, is the way it's going to affect our lives, and how we interact with Him And so there's this need for us to discuss who he is And what he does. Now, even as I speak, I I know that in this room there are many of us that have different starting points when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit. Some of you uh, might struggle with this idea of a spirit, that's just a bit different. The spiritual aspect of faith is a little tough, and so you battle to relate when we talk about things of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might have experienced things that have hurt you that have confused you, that have been a bit out there, and as a result, man, you're a little bit closed off. You're just a bit, I don't want to have anything to do with that, and, and so that's your starting point. Someone else might have come from an extremely Pentecostal, charismatic background, and so you, you're probably the most excited this morning as we discuss this. As you, uh, That's your starting point, and you're probably a little bit more comfortable with this discussion. But wherever you might start off this morning, might I just say that it is great to have you here. And we are going to journey through this together as we unpack Scripture to see what the Bible has to say so we can get to a point where we go, this is biblical and this is right. Now, I might just say that I get where a lot of you might be coming from. I grew up in a a very strange home life where my grandfather, uh, who is the primary influence in my life growing up as a child, he, um, he really spoke uh, and influenced me well. It's a big part of the reason why I'm a Christian this morning. When I'm in heaven one day, I'm going to be t- pointing a lot of people to my old man, who's not going to be old because he's going to have a new body and he's going to look great. But i want to say to him, man, there he is. That guy has made a major impact in my life, and he was a big reason of why I'm here today. But he, at the same time, is a little bit more cautious, if you will, when it comes to the things of the Spirit. And so I grew up in this aspect, where you watch out for those guys, they weird, and that, that's that. My other case is my mother, who was on the complete other end of the spectrum, she did drugs and was an alcoholic and miraculously came to know Christ in the day, stopped all of that in an instant, joined a church, but the church that she went to was hyper charismatic Pentecostal. And so I grew up going at around about eight, nine years old, ten years old, going to very conservative church, but also to very extreme church. And at the and in this mist of growing up trying to figure out things, just really confused. And so at the same time when people spoke about the spirit, just just, I, don't, you, I, I believe in him, I believe he's his God, let's just leave it at that, I've got him, don't tell me anymore, I'm happy. But by the grace of God I've been able to study, I've been able to journey through this, I've had great men in whom I've trusted, who have led me, who have given me great stuff to read. And I think I've come to a point where I understand a little better than I have a little bit more comfortable with it. And may I suggest that there's never a point where we understand the Spirit wholly, He's God. He's infinite. He is. We, can, we constantly can grow in understanding of who He is. And that's what we're trying to do this morning. So we have to start off at a place where we need to know who is the Holy Spirit. And maybe the best place to start off is by asking the question, Who? Well, what isn't He? What isn't He? Well, firstly, the Holy Spirit isn't a thing. He isn't an it. He is not a force like Star Wars or some type of voodoo in which we are able to get control of this force or this energy in the universe in which we are needing to tap into through some special skill and revelation so that we might be able to live our best life. That's not what the Holy Spirit is. He's not entertainment. He's not emotions, he's not a, um, he's not, in he's not his emotions, he's not this experience. The Holy Spirit is none of those things. What the Holy Spirit is, is he is a person. He's a person. Now, that might sound a bit weird to you, because when we think of people, what do we think? We think of body, right? Face, hands, feet, but the reality of the matter is um, people can miss some of those elements and still be a person. What makes us as a person is our personality, which is consists of three things. Consists of a mind, intellect, consists of uh, emotions, and it consists of a will. Those are the three elements in which we need to have in order to be a person. And I want to show you this morning, well part of what I want to show you this morning is that's exactly what the Holy Spirit has. He has those things. He, he has a mind. We see this in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 11. I've got a lot of scripture coming your way. And if you're jotting them down, that's great. But if you miss it, you can come grab me afterwards. All right. So 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 to 11 says this. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We love that verse. It's fantastic. But we never read on. It says this in Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depth of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is within him? And here it comes. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit is an intellectual giant, his knowledge is infinite. He's able to understand the depth of who God is. He has a mind of his own, which he's able to think and grasp and understand. He has a mind. He also has emotions, and we're going to see a wide variety of emotions here. Romans 15, verses 30 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, that by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to uh, God on my behalf. Yes, Paul saying, would you strive with me in love? of the spirits, pray with me but there's this love of the Spirit and as we see in Ephesians as it discusses the magnitude of God's love is that it is as high and as wide and it's long and it is deep that there is talking about this infinite love of God the Spirit has infinite love he has infinite love but he also can get hurt His feelings can get hurt. He can get grieved. We see this in Ephesians 4 verse 30. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So here we have inside of us the Holy Spirit who is so interconnected with who we are that when we think something that we shouldn't, Do something that we shouldn't. Have an attitude that is sinful. The spirit who is holy and good is grieved by our sinfulness. He is grieved. He is hurt. He is saddened by it. There is an emotion. But he's not just love and hurt. But he is also a God who can get angry. We see this in Isaiah 63 verse 10. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Talking about God. And vexed his Holy Spirit's. Therefore, he, was, he turned um, to uh, be their enemy, and he forgot against them. Here we see this wide variety of the Spirit's emotions. He has emotions, but he also has a will. He has his own will. Now, this is important. Church, we've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is not at our beck and call. He has his own will. He is a sovereign God who decides what he wants to do in his own authority and in his own power. This is a God who has his own will. We, we see this in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11. It says, all these things are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So when you and I become Christian. By the grace of Jesus Christ and the blood that he has shed, and we believe in him, we are saved in that instant, And we receive the Holy Spirit in our hearts or in our lives. And in that moment, we have this giving of spiritual gifts in our lives. The Holy Spirit comes along and gives you and I spiritual gifts. Now what this is, is not a lucky packet type roll. We're going to talk about more of this in the, when we talk about building uh, community, building committed community. But this, here the Holy Spirit comes along and gives us spiritual gifts as he determines. He looks at Janice and goes, Janice, I want to give you a hospitality gift. Man, he looks at, he looks at Brian and says, Brian, I'm giving you a pastoral care heart, which others and we as a church have benefited from. It's not just this random draw, but rather God himself goes, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this. It's this beautiful thing that he desi- uh, determines. And, and we are told we must desire more gifts. Desire the greater gifts, says Paul. But this is this place where we humbly come before and say, Lord, I'd love that. But he gets to determine. We can't force his hand. He is not this puppet and we the puppet masters in which we get to make him dance and do his thing. No, he is God himself who determines in his own sovereignty and his own authority what he gets to do when he wants to do it. It's this beautiful thing. John describes it like this. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is it with everything, everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind moves and it goes, and we can't tell it where to go or how it should blow, man, because I'd make it blow west regularly. <laughs> but I can't. Same with the Spirit. We can't make Him do, and this is important for us as a church, that it is not... The Spirit depended on our will, but as a church we are dependent on His will. That's important, subtle, but it's super important. The Holy Spirit also does things that a person does. We've already discussed it in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. It says that he searches. He's, he's uh, got an inquiring mind. He searches the very depth of God, this infant God. He's able to search. It's this incredible thing. He, he speaks. Um, how many of us here have heard the Holy Spirit prompt us and speak to us, right? He speaks to us. We see in Revelations 2, verse 7, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, this is important here. The Holy Spirit doesn't only just help us understand what the Father is saying, but there are times when the Holy Spirit himself speaks to us. He himself speaks. Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. He he prays as well. Uh, Romans 8 verses 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. The Spirit doesn't only just help us to pray, which is one of the things He does, but sometimes He prays for us. Man, one of the reasons why we as Christians can be so assured that rather, no matter how spiritually weak we might be or how much we struggle in this Christian walk, that if we have believed in Christ and our sins have been washed clean, that we will one day stand before God and make it into heaven is because we have two members of the Godhead who pray for us. We have Jesus Christ standing, interceding on our behalf, praying for you and me, and Jesus gets his prayers answered, doesn't he? but also we have the spirit and Christ interceding when we are weak and we are struggling they are interceding on our behalf with groans that aren't words that is beautiful the spirit also prays for you and i okay i hope you also but hearing his heart for you and me as we talk about these things he teaches jesus talking here in john 14 verse 28 he says by but the helper the holy spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The amazing thing that the Holy Spirit teaches, He teaches through us, those of us who stand up here on the pulpit, by God's grace, He uses us. At ho- there might be times when we speak in our own strength, but when He anoints us, there is a speaking. But also through your Bible study, He teaches through other men and women who are brothers and sisters in Christ, He teaches us in, through them. The brilliant part about the Holy Spirit is he doesn't just teach us through an elect few, if you will, but rather he teaches you personally. There's this intimate relationship as you get to know the Holy Spirit. He teaches you as you read and spend time in scripture and and start to this is the primary way in which he speaks as you do that what he does is he speaks to you as a person in your life for you particularly have you have any of you read scripture and you've read it for a 10,000 times you've come along this passage because it's your favorite one but as you read it there's something new that jumps out of you because the spirit has pointed something out or you're reading it and there's this conviction in your heart of a sin that you have that you did not know it was a sin. Or you did, but it hasn't bothered you for years. But here comes the Spirit and goes, okay, it's time we deal with that. Just something... Personal and specific for you. The Spirit teaches us as we do this. It's this beautiful thing as he instructs us in truth, helps us understand truth, shows us Christ, shows us how to become like Jesus. This is what the Spirit does. Man, he does many things. He testifies, he tells others, uses us to tell others about Christ. He has personal names such as comforter and advocate. He does all these things. The Spirit is not in it, he's not this force in which we can just take hold of, but rather he is this person. But this person, the Holy Spirit, is also divine. And I've mentioned it a couple of times, you talk referring to him as God, but he is also divine. The title of the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit. When we talk about him, he's not some vague entity in which we need to be cautious of or wary of, but rather who he is is we are talking about God. We we see this in, in Acts verses 5. There's this interesting story that takes place. The, the early church has just blossomed. It's it's blowing up. There are many coming to know Christ. And uh, as a result, as many gather in, there are a variety of different economic situations that are in the church. There are some that are extremely wealthy and there are some that are poor. And as a result, with the, the church was loving in so well. God was moving so powerfully in this church that those who had much decided to sell it to help those who were in need. Incredible act. So many people who had houses and properties and lands, what they would do, if they had many, they would sell some of them and give the money away. (laughs) Man, that is love right there. And there was a sense of, Scripture doesn't say it, but we we can assume here. There must have been the sense of awe and wonder of what God was doing. But particularly... If Mark had loads of money, I can say that because he's a teacher, so he doesn't. I'm just joking. <laughs> but if Mark had loads of money and tons of property, and I was poor. I'm a pastor, so that's true. <laughs> and, he, and he goes and he decides to sell all of that. Sell a piece of land that wasn't being used, and he comes along and gives me the money. He goes, Joe, here we go, buy yourself a house. Okay, that's not going to happen. But if that happened, there would be, this is all. There would be us, we would look at Mark in a sense, and there would be, man, that guy's godly. Look what he's done. There must have been a sense of praise and and a sense of uh, high regard for the person that did that. And so there was this couple named Ananias and Sapphira. They have extra land. So they tell the church, man, we're going to sell it, and we're going to give it all to the church to distribute amongst the poor. There's a sense of awe that's going to come with this. But they come up with a sneaky plan. They're going to tell the church that they're going to give all the money, but actually, in fact, what they're going to do is they're going to hold some money back. So say they sold the piece of land for 400,000 rand, and then they decided, here, church, we sold it for 350,000 rand. But what they did is they kept 50,000 rand for themselves, but told everyone they sold it all. So they get the awe and wonder of, man, they gave away everything. And they have this in mind, and they come, and they're going to do this, and they come to Peter with the money, and, and Peter says to Ananias, he says, and Peter said, this is in Acts 5, verses 3 and 4, Ananias, why has Satan filled your hearts to lie to the Holy Spirit? Now hear that, lie to the Holy Spirit, and to, and to keep back for yourself uh, part of the proceeds of the land. So Peter goes, why did you do that? It was, and he goes and asks a couple of questions. He says, while it remained unsold, was it not your own? You didn't have to sell it. It was yours. And he says, and and when after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? You could have just said, hey guys, I'm not going to give you all the money, I want to keep some for myself, and I want to give some of it. That's fine, because it's yours. You didn't have to give it all. But yet you came up with this lie so that you might get awe and wonder when he says this. Some people might praise you. He says, Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? And here it comes. Have you not lied, you have not lied to man, but to God. You see that? In the beginning he starts off, You have, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? But at the end of it he goes, but you have not lied to man, but to God. For Peter, there's this interchangeableness between the word and this person, Holy Spirit, and God. He just uses the, the language like that. He talks about the God, he talks about Holy Spirit, and it's fine. Because for him... The Holy Spirit is God. And we see this again in 1 Corinthians 3.18. There's this explaining of Paul speaking here. He says, do not you know that uh, you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Where did God dwell? He dwelt in the temple. But now he comes and dwells in us through his spirit. He is God. And so we have um, this Holy Spirit who is God. And he does things that only God can do. He's omnipotent. Which means he is all-powerful. It was a fancy name. It's a, he was created. He was there in Genesis 1 verse 2 when he created. Um, the spirit was there. But we also see that Psalm, uh, sorry, Job 33 verse 4 says, The spirit of God has made me. He's creator. He has made me, and the breath of the mighty gives me life. He, he re- regenerates. Not only does he make us physically and creates, but also regenerates us. He makes us into new beings spiritually. We see this in John 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He, he inspires Scripture. We see it in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. The imagery there is the Spirit speaking. He raises the dead. Romans 8 verse 11 says, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised uh, Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. When we die, man, we're going to rock up on eternity and the Holy Spirit who gives us a new body raises us again. He is the one that raises us from the dead in eternity. It's this glorious thing that we get to make sure that we are raised again from the dead. It's the, the beauty of the resurrection of Christ. That we, because Christ was raised again from the power of the Spirit, so we too who are in Christ will be raised again in eternity. It's a wonderful thing that the Spirit does. And it is only a thing that God does, but yet the Spirit does it. He is God. Again, he's omniscient. Again, it's a fancy word for saying he's all known. We see this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. We've discussed the scripture in bits, but he knows all things. He understands the de- he searches the depth of God, every aspect. He is everywhere. We see this in um, uh, He's everywhere, which is uh, omnipresent in the fancy word. He says, Psalm 139, verse 7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence. He is everywhere. These are things that only God can do, church. And we see this in this aspect. But what we need to understand is he's not a lesser God. He's not lesser God than the Father or Christ. But rather what he is, he's an equal member... Of the Trinity now I don't want to try and explain the Trinity to you this morning it's a, it is a task at hand in which our minds will continually boggle and but as we've spoken about the magnitude of who God is I think we can rest in that but what it roughly is is that they are one of there's one God to three persons there's one substance they are one of the same substance but different entities they are different persons and the Holy Spirit is an equal member of this glorious Godhead. This glorious Godhead—he, this mystery of the—it's a mystery of this idea of the Trinity—but um, Saint Augustine says that. The reason why we talk about it is if, because he says, we only speak in order not to be silent. Michael Eaton says, you can't put into words, but you have to say something. And the reason why we talk about it is because Scripture talks about it. And so therefore we talk about it, but we don't want the false teachers to come and make up something in its place. So we make sure we share what Scripture has to say. But he is part of of this Godhead equally. And probably the easiest way to see this is in Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Jesus talking here, telling us a great commission. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You notice there it talks about name, not names. Not baptizing <laughs> the name. Sorry, this is me. I keep walking. Um, baptizing them in the names of the Father and the Son, no, baptizing them in the name of the Father. They are one. And there are many other examples in Scripture. But what we need to understand is their function in this Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the most self-effacing of the lot. He doesn't like to take much of the limelight and the glory for himself. Rather, what he likes to do is he likes to make much of the of those of the other members of the Trinity he likes to make much of Christ he likes to make much of the father part of his role and job and desire and joy is when Jesus gets glorified when the father gets glorified that's when there is joy in him that's what he likes to do we see this in Jesus says this in um, John 16 verses 13 and 14 It says when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority. Now, I just want to say something on that verse. It says, for he will not speak on his own authority. Old translations have mistranslated this a little wrong. It says there, and he will not speak of himself. It's a mistranslation. The newer ones have gotten right. When you look at the Greek, it says, for he will not speak on his own authority. It's a game changer. Because that means when when we used to think that the Holy Spirit would not speak of himself, we thought when we should not speak of him. But in fact, what it shows here is that, no, no, he does speak, but he does not speak on his own authority. What he hears is he hears the Father and the Son speak, and therefore he speaks. Jesus did the same. He says, I do not do what I, I want to do. I do what the Father tells me to do, and I follow it. This is that sense. It continues on here saying, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And here it is in verse 14. It says, he will glorify me. This is Jesus. And he will um, take what is mine and declare it to you. Much of the Holy Spirit likes to make much of the other members of the Trinity. And what's important for us to understand this morning is that Though we focus on the Holy Spirit, His primary role and job is to make much of Jesus and much of the Father. And so, this is how we know when we have much of the Holy Spirit, when we are walking with Him, is when we hunger and thirst and love Jesus. When we are, have a passion for Jesus in our hearts. When we are wanting to know Jesus, pursue Him, and there's a desire in our heart for Jesus, we know that there is the Spirit there that is with us, that is helping us, that we have a good connection with the Spirit. Why? Because it's Him in us that is making us desire for Christ. That's what He wants to do. He wants Jesus to be glorified. He wants us to know Him. He doesn't necessarily want to make much of Himself, but He wants us to hunger and thirst for Christ. That's what He wants to do. There's this description of the Holy Spirit that is called comforter, which is the word paraclete, which means one call to come alongside. Holy Spirit is one called to come alongside us. He comes alongside us. He's connected to us. He's right here. That's what he is. And so wherever we go, whatever we do, we know that the Holy Spirit is right near to us. And so when we start to sin and start to wander off, the Holy Spirit goes, no, no, he pulls us in line again. When we start to look at worldly things rather than fixing our eyes on Christ, what does the Holy Spirit do? No, 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 no. I want you to see Jesus here. Keep your eyes firm and fixed on him. But there's this wonderful thing as well, knowing that we are not alone, that he is with us every single step of the way. There's a guy named R.A. Torrey, he lived about 140 odd years ago. He was good friends and evangelist with D.L. Moody. You might remember his name. And he shares a story around this. He has gone on a missions trip. Now you've got to understand in those days there weren't planes. There were only boats. And so he hops on a boat and he, he's off uh, 18,000 miles away from his family. He's been away for 18 months and he's sitting on this whole of this boat at night and he's feeling so alone. But it was in this moment as he's longing for his family, longing for his wife and his kids, and he's, and he's just feeling alone that he's reminded of this, that the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He's the one that's come alongside. And in those moments, is a sense of joy that he is not alone, but the Holy Spirit is near. And there's a similar thing for us, church. Are you feeling weak and weary and abandoned by those who should love you but just don't? Know that if you have the Holy Spirit, he is with you. He is alongside you. Man, when the world turns against us, we know that the Holy Spirit is alongside us. He is with us every single step of the way. Right in there, showing us, pointing us, leading us to Christ. And so this is the the wonder of the Holy Spirit. He is a person, not an it, not a force. And so as a result, man, we can have a relationship with him, one that speaks, one that leads, one that guides. He is there for us as a person. And we we know we can draw alongside him as he makes much of the Father and much of the Son, and we can know him as he leads us. But at the same time, church, he is also divine. He is not just this person who is weak, not this person who does not know what he is doing, but rather he is God himself who has come alongside you, to strengthen you, to live for the glory of Christ, that you might know Jesus and know Him well, that we as a church might be empowered as one body, reaching the city for the glory of Jesus Christ. And you might look at that task and think, man, that is difficult, that is hard, but we do not do it in our strength, but rather what we do it is in the all-powerful, sovereign God by the power of the Holy Spirit who invested in us for the glory of Christ, He will move forward. That's where we go. That's why we move, because of the Holy Spirit that is within us but we got to realize he's not something we manipulate he's not something in which we force to do our will but rather we are there to do his R.A. writes this and as I read this um, as my mom gave me this book by him and as I read it it shook me it struck me it made me think it says if we think of the Holy Spirit's As so many do, as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get much more of the Holy Spirit? But when I think of Him in the biblical way, as a divine person, our thought will instead be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? How can the Holy Spirit, this great divine God, have more of me for His glory and His praise? Let us let us pray. Lord, we are, we are grateful that Christ, that you came and you died for us and you set us free from sins, that we might know you and have a relationship. We are thankful, Lord Jesus, that you sit at the right hand of the throne in God and, and you rule sovereignly, but we are also grateful that you did not leave us alone. You did not call us to a task to live a life for you, but led us to do it in our own strength. But rather that you sent the person, this divine person, the Holy Spirit, that we might know him, be empowered by him, and so that we might live for the glory of Christ more and more. Lord, we desire more of you. Would you take more of us? Would you stir in us a desire to live for Christ that we are able to submit more and more to the Spirit's work in our life, we pray. I pray that that this morning for each and every single one of us. Lord, I pray for those that are closely connected to the move of the Spirit. Would you make your voice even more clear that they might be able to hear you be in step with you every single day in every aspect of their lives. But I pray, Lord, for those that are, are a bit dry, their love for Christ is dry, their pursuit of Him is dry, their, their hesitancy around this idea of the Holy Spirit is one of fear. I pray, Lord, that you would break those down, that, Lord, they would see the goodness of the Holy Spirit. I think of, of C.S. Lewis talking about Aslan And is is he safe? No, he's not safe, but he is good. You are good, Lord. And so, Lord, we want to trust in you. You are good. Would you fill us with your spirit, we pray. May we submit more to your moving and your prompting. We ask this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.